Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... We shouldn't look for suffering in the Christian life. Can I get an amen that that's kind of (laughs) dumb? That's kind of dumb to go out and look for suffering. But it often finds us. I mean, if you went to a war, would you be surprised if the enemy was shooting back? I mean, you're shooting at the enemy. Would you be surprised that they're shooting back? Well, that's exactly what's going on here. If you play sports, you're on offense. Are you surprised when the other... What are they doing playing defense? What's up with that? One of the things that all followers of Jesus have to learn is that life is often downright difficult. This was no different for the Apostle Paul, who brought the good news of Jesus Christ to the Roman Empire and was imprisoned for it. That's right, a man who helped people by showing them the way to heaven was put in prison for it. Despite the difficulty, he continued on the mission. How could that be? There are many reasons, but two simple ones stand out. First, perceiving how much Christ loved him, the Apostle Paul returned that love And second, believe it or not, the Apostle expected the trouble. These two things helped him press on and will help you too. Here's Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 3. In the first half of chapter 2, the Apostle Paul was teaching us about the miracle of an individual conversion. And then last time we were together, we saw another miracle, how the gospel reconciled Jews and Gentiles, two different groups of people that that people never thought would be reconciled into one people in Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, it seems that the Apostle Paul is beginning a prayer. He says, for this reason, the reason I think he's beginning a prayer is that when he actually does pray, it's not until verse 14. So so verses 2 through 13 is, uh, let's just call it a preacher's diversion. So uh, guys like me are glad when preachers uh, in the Bible take a diversion. We don't feel so bad when we do it. Or, or perhaps it's just the type of diversion that a lot of times we experience when we pray. You ever try and pray and then all of a sudden you find your mind is over here or your thoughts are over there. And it seems the Apostle Paul is kind of got the same thing going and he's, he's just bursting and he's got so much he's got to get out. And so he starts the prayer, hits the pause button takes us into some really heavenly stuff tonight, and then next week we will, Lord willing, begin the prayer if we get through everything tonight. Uh, Why the the diversion? Well, as we said when we introed the book, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison. He's probably under house arrest, which means he's confined to a house so he can have people who can come and go. That's, they come and they get, they tell him, they give him reports about what's going on in various cities, in various churches that they had planted. We've said before that in our study of Galatians that the Apostle Paul is a task theologian which means he doesn't sit down and write a systematic theology, so we just figure it all out in one kind of book, but he goes after different things that people are having problems with or not understanding. He's probably been in prison in Rome for about three years at this point in time, and it's also important to realize that not all of the Bible readers in Ephesus and the surrounding churches know him. A lot of them have become 
converts since he left there. And certainly we don't know him personally, and so he's keeping people like us in mind whether he knows it or not. So he's going to tonight lay out some of the uh, major themes of the letter. He's going to unpack them for us along with some personal application. Uh, He's going to show us the mystery of God's salvation plan, which troubled the people of God for centuries. They knew God was going to do it, but they just weren't sure how he was going to do it until that plan was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this brings us to a very, very important point, and I know we haven't even gotten started yet, but a very important point that we must realize in the days in which we live in, the days of the Internet age, which is making certain bad teachings spread like wildfire. There is a big difference between God revealing to people. We talked about that this past Sunday, how he revealed to Peter who Jesus was. The Holy Spirit revealed to Peter who Jesus was. There's a big difference between something being revealed and something evolving. And we want to talk about that for a few minutes. Now, this idea of of Christianity evolving is sort of a variation of the false teaching of the prosperity teachers. They claim to have the fuller revelation. So a lot of stuff you watch on TV, you go, that that's not true. That's not true. Something's wrong with that. These guys say that's because you don't have the fuller revelation. God told us something new. He told us something more than he told the apostles. Now, this is one of the reasons why God gave us this book in completion. Now, the, the, the pastor's job is to bring the word of God to bear upon the times in which we live in, But we have to be very, very careful of people who are adding to the word of God. So these prosperity guys on television, the the wealth of some of these guys is absolutely shameful. They are adding to the word of God. Now, the evolving camp is different. It's a variation of it, but it is different. And they claim, and boy, are they getting a lot of traction now. Most people know that the, the false teacher, the prosperity guys, are, you know, the baloney meters are just going off the hook, and people are having to order new ones because there's so much baloney coming out of these guys' mouths. But the, but the evolving camp is gaining a lot of traction, and this is what they are saying. They are saying is that God's plan is evolving. Now, that is very different than God's plan is unfolding, Because God's plan is unfolding means the plan that he has put in motion is just unfolding, unfolding, unfolding until it is ready to its completion. The the evolving guys are are saying that they're just going beyond the word of God and basically they're saying that the word of God is evolving and keeping up with the times. Let me tell you a guy who was on TV for a long time who was big in this camp and it was Piers Morgan. If you ever watched him, very big in this, and and it's still going on. He was a guy that would say, you don't go to the Bible to learn how to live. You drag the Bible into this century and claiming to be a believer of some sort. Now, the evolving crowd typically involves cultural accommodations of what is difficult, inconvenient, and sinful in the word of God. And they're saying, we're modern people with modern sensibilities. We have to evolve in our thinking, and we don't need this ancient book written by a bunch of old dead guys. 
Now, it is true, and this is where we have to be very careful students of the Bible. I think now we have to be more careful students of the Bible than probably in most of any of our lifetimes. It is true that the New Testament changed some things that were found in the Old Testament. Remember in Galatians, we said that the cross and resurrection that satisfied that Jesus you know, fulfilled the law. We no longer need to keep the law. There are certain things that are still in place, but certain things we don't have to. When, so when somebody says to you, hey, why are you wearing mixed fabric clothing? You go, I don't have to do that anymore. That's, that's, not, that's not part of it anymore. So the New Testament did change some things from the Old Testament, but that does not give us or anybody the authority to change things from the New Testament. And so we have to be very, very careful of that. We have to look carefully at the text that we look at, what is, God, what is a descriptive text where God is describing what happened, and what is a prescriptive text where God is prescribing what it is for the people of God and for the church. So what are the big areas in the evolving camp that, again, that is gaining so much traction right now? Well, one is the sexual ethic. The sexual ethic, people are saying, we've got to bring the Bible into this century, into our times, and we've got to change those things. Another one is liberty in the use of alcohol, where I'm not saying that you can never drink, but the Bible does, uh, does condemn drunkenness, and but there's people taking great liberties in these things, saying that we need to evolve in the way we think. This is not biblical. We're going to see it in New Jersey in the, the topic of marijuana. Okay, remember, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. And so that's something that's going to cut you off from from hearing from God. And of course, there's a lot of people that go, oh, you know, I, I, I drive better when I'm stoned. You might if you drive slower, but that's about it. <laughs> but that's about it. Um, uh, also, abortion. Now, some people, we believe that life begins at conception, so we believe that is a life as a as a as a Christian. I believe that's a life in someone's, uh, you know, stomach. I in a woman's stomach. I'm always want to be sensitive to women who've had abortions. God is definitely a forgiving God. He will forgive you of that. He's forgiven all of us of heinous things and terrible things. And uh, I'm in, I'm in line with the sinner, so I, I don't cast judgment on that. I'm only telling you how the how the view is changing some. You have some people, most people, Christians, have been traditionally against abortion. Now it goes something like this in the evolving camp. They'll say something like this. I'm personally against it, but I think people have to make up their minds and decide for themselves. So people are taking a different view uh, on that. Basically, we're back to something we have been through many times throughout the centuries, a challenge of the authority of the Word of God, and just be very, very careful. This is all different than the ever-popular, man-centered, pick-and-choose, whichever verses you want for successful Christian living, and make sure we don't offend anyone in the process, which is really popular in the suburbs. That's really popular in, in the area in which we live in. That's probably the predominant thing now in the area in which we live in. But these other things are probably, you might say, well, that's a bunch of city folk. Well, it's not too long till we're following the city folk. So we want to be careful of such things. Uh, now, do we grow personally and evolve in our understanding of the Word of God? That's fair to say. That's fair to say. But not to change it. We are not to change it. 
We are to live it and we are to proclaim it. That being said, uh, let's jump in chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, uh, Paul, and for what reason? But we encountered in chapter 2, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Now, there is little doubt that the enemies of the Apostle Paul said that he was in jail because he was a false teacher and that God put him there. Remember, we said when we were in the book of Galatians that whenever he would go into a city, he would plant a church, he would leave. It still happens today all over the world. The false teachers would be hot on his heels and come in and try and undo the work uh, that he had been doing, drawing attention to themselves. So as soon as he was in jail, you can bet the people that he was critical of in his letters and the people that were against him or didn't want people following him would say, well, he's in jail because he's a false teacher and God put him there. And the Apostle Paul would say, well, they're half right. I'm not in jail because I'm a false teacher, he would say. I'm in jail because I teach the truth. But he would admit that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, we said he's in prison or under house arrest in Rome. He's like, yeah, that's true. Would you say you're a prisoner of the Roman Empire? No, no, I wouldn't say that. Are you a prisoner of Caesar? Nope, 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 wouldn't say that either. I'm the, I'm the Lord's prisoner. I always say that this is the only way the Lord could get this guy to slow down, to sit and write some letters to people so we would be able to read them because he was such a, he was such a crazy, you know, he's just an unbelievable energizer um, apostle. He just keeps going and going and going. Now, the Apostle Paul in jail, notice here, he doesn't see himself as a victim. If you said to him, what's it like being chained to a Roman guard all day long? Because that's what happened. And he would go, I'm not chained to a Roman guard all day long. I'm chained to Christ. It just so happens that while I'm chained to Christ, that we get to have a Roman guard chained to us. Now, I'm sure some of the guys couldn't wait to get next to him to hear the gospel. Other guys were like, I do not want that. I mean, I don't want to be next to that guy at all. And, And prison, he knows, is not going to stop the gospel. It's not going to stop the gospel because the most important thing for him was the mission of King Jesus and, and he feared God, not the emperor. What could the emperor do? Kill him? This guy wouldn't even care. So why was he there? Well, he tells us right here in verse one, for this reason, for you Gentiles, he was in prison for taking the gospel to people who don't know God. And, and he had all kinds of people who were enemies of him who would going to the Romans saying, well, he's saying there's another Lord and Caesar's our Lord. Even the Pharisees, oh, we have no other, we have no other king but Caesar. Just totally lying out, talking out the side of their mouth because they wanted, the, they wanted to shut Jesus up at the time and now they want to shut the apostles up. And so he belongs to Christ and he is willing to go wherever Christ wants to send him. Now, that sounds good till Christ wants to send us somewhere. And then sometimes where Christ wants to send us conflicts with what we want to do and where we want to go. Now, we are Americans, and we have to always remember that when we read our Bible. What, what's, what's important to Americans? How about travel and leisure? How about jobs and education, safety, security, Solid retirement. These are all our main concerns, which are all okay. They're all okay until they start to detract from the mission of Christ in your life. Until they start to postpone the mission of Christ in your life. 
a lot of people are postponing what they're going to do for Christ for days they might not even have. Because we, no one knows the day or the hour when God says, you know, time is up, come on home. And so we want to be careful of such things. So we might ask, how could someone suffer and still be so excited for Christ? I would say there's a few things. I would say on the one hand, he, he loved Christ so much. I would say that he never got over his conversion. It just, he never got over it. It was always, and if you want to read about it, you can read about it in Acts chapter 9. We'll talk about it just a little bit in, later on. And another thing is, he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised by the persecution. Now, we shouldn't look for suffering in the Christian life. Can I get an amen that that's kind of dumb? <laughs> that's kind of dumb to go out and look for suffering. But it often finds us. I mean, if you went to a war, would you be surprised if the enemy was shooting back? I mean, you're shooting at the enemy. Would you be surprised that they're shooting back? Well, that's exactly what's going on here. If you play sports, you're on offense. Are you surprised when the other... What are they doing playing defense? What's up with that? They're trying to stop you. And so he wasn't surprised at all. Jesus said this, John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And then look what he says next. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Acts 14, 21 and 22, near the beginning of Paul and Barnabas' ministry, it said, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, so they're out doing the work of the Lord, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, the people in the churches that they had started, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So if we're going to the kingdom of God, not like we might go through some tribulations, not like it's possible. It is, is we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. At the end of his ministry, the Apostle Paul writes this, 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not that they might, they will. So verse 2, I want to read verse 2 uh, twice because we got there's a lot in here. He says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. So if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, some of your versions say administration, some of your versions say stewardship, we might say from Paul's vantage point, the responsibility but some say the best translation would say the strategy. You have heard of the strategy, not the apostle's strategy, but God's strategy or God's plan of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So he's saying this was my ministry to preach to the Gentiles, and that was God's plan for me ever since. And he tells them that back in Acts chapter 9, when Paul is originally saved by Christ and he meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Verse 3, Damascus. How that by revelation he made known to me 
the mystery, let's keep that word in the back of our head, the mystery, and then he, there's a parenthesis, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. What is he saying? That up until this time, God did not make it plain to everybody. So, so there's, there's something about this mystery that was not plain in the Old Testament. You say, you know, we see Jesus all the time in the Old Testament. We've gone through so many books of the Bible with you, Pastor Jim. We've seen Jesus. But there were certain things that were not made plain in the Old Testament as, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit. It didn't evolve. He didn't figure it out. It was been revealed by the Spirit to, and now here's something we, we have to remember this because a lot of people get caught up in this, to his holy apostles and prophets. Now we're going to come back to that expression about him being a holy apostle in, in a few moments because a lot of people have a lot of wrong thinking about that. But one thing I would say here that notice that it's plural, apostles and prophets. It, it, it's, not, it's, it's important that it's not just the apostle Paul. Do you notice in most of these cults, it's just one guy. It's just one guy who got the revelation. And he supposedly got the revelation. And I'm not so sure it came from God. But And then, you know, he, he saw the vision and then he tells everybody else. And they're following this one thing. No, it's, it's given to multiple people. Verse 6, absolutely key. What, it, what is this mystery? He tells us that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, should be fellow heirs, some versions say co-heirs, of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How is that done? He tells us through the gospel. Now, so he tells us that the mystery was revealed. Now, for us, mystery can mean a, a lot of different things. So when, when somebody says, you know, what, what do you think's wrong with my car or wrong with my health? You're like, I don't know, it's a mystery. Nobody really knows. A mystery to us can, is a problem or it is something that is unsolved. Those of you into murder mysteries, they're unsolved mysteries or unsolved crimes. But in the Bible, the mystery is not a problem. In the Bible, a mystery is something that was previously unknown and then is revealed by God. And here is the mystery, that Jews and Gentiles would be equal in the sight of God. That, that both would be considered, by putting their trust in Jesus, new creations because of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ according to God's plan. Now, this was so incredible. For us, we're like, oh, of course, that, that makes, that, that's fine. I'm fine with that. This was so incredible to the believers at the time that in Acts 15, the apostles had a council as, the, as this new growing group of people called the church was trying to grapple with these things because it was, it was so unbelievable to the, to the Jewish people that, that, that this mystery was now revealed. So the apostles, the first century apostles, were given incredible insight into the plan of God for the salvation of the world, but they didn't come up with it on their own. It was revealed by the Spirit. We saw in Galatians that the Apostle Paul had it revealed to him in one place, the other apostles in the other place, and they came together, and they're like, yeah, we're talking about the same thing. 
Then they had this council in Acts 15, like, yeah, we're talking about the same thing. And so as an apostle, the apostle Paul was the most effective church planter. We've said that if you even went to a lot of secular history professors, they would probably tell you that the most influential person in the world for Christianity was probably the Apostle Paul, because they, they, they can't deny anything about this guy, because it was well-known history, his, his travels. As a prophet and as a Bible writer, he's been given the revelation of being able to write the Word of God. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.